Chapter Two Hundred of Varney the Vampire, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie Bynum. Varney the Vampire, Volume Three, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter Two Hundred. The Recovery. The Sexton's Fright. The Compact. What pen shall describe the abject fright of Master Will Stevens, the sexton, as the cold, clammy fingers of the supposed corpse closed upon his hand? The blood seemed to curdle at his very heart. A film spread itself before his eyes. He tried to scream, but his tongue clove to the roof of his mouth, and he could utter no sound. In good truth, he was within an ace of fainting, and it was rather a wonder that he did not go clean off. Power to withdraw his hand from the horrible grasp he had not, and there he knelt, shivering and shaking, and with his mouth wide open and the hair literally bristling upon his head. How long he and the dead man remained in this way together in silence he knew not, but he was aroused from the state of almost frenzy in which he was by a deep sepulchral voice, the voice of the apparently dead. What has happened? it said. What has happened? Is this the world which was to come? M mercy, help! stammered the sexton. I, I, I am a poor man. I, I don't want your rings, good Mr. Mr. Ghost. Oh, 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 have mercy upon me. I, I implore you. The only reply was a frightful groan. The perspiration rolled down the sexton's face. Oh, don't, oh, pray don't, hold, hold me so so tight now said the dead man i know all the die is cast my fate has again spoken steel shall not slay me the bullet shall kill me not fire shall not burn me and water will not drown while yon bright satellite sails on twixt earth and heaven yes yes sir thephy at has gone forth and i am wretched o oh, heaven so unutterably wretched Perhaps, good Mr. Ghost, you you will let me go now? Here's your ring. I don't want to keep it. Here's the only one I took off your worshipful fingers, good Mr. Ghost. A very thin, filmy sort of cloud had been going over the moon's disk, but now had passed completely away, and such a flood of unchecked, untempered brilliancy poured in at the open window, if it might be so called of the dead house, that it became quite radiant with the silvery beams. The drowned man rose with a wild, howling cry of rage, and springing at the throat of the sexton, bore him down to the earth in an instant, and placed his knee upon his chest. "'Villain!' he groaned out between clenched teeth. "'You shall die, although you have made me live. There shall be one victim to the fell destroyer.' The sexton thought his hour was come. "'Wretch!' pursued the revived corpse. "'Wretch! What devil prompted you to do this most damnable deed? Speak!' "'Speak, I say, who are you?' "'What—what what deed?' gasped the sexton. "'The deed of restoring me to life, of dragging me from the ocean, and forcing me to live again. "'I—I—oh, dear, speak. Go on.' "'I didn't do anything of the sort. The truth is, I only came to—to—to—to to, to what? "'To borrow a ring of you, that's all, and the greatest calamity that has ever happened to me is your coming to life.' How came I here? That I can't tell, Your Worship. I am the sexton of this place. It's called Colburn, 
and is in Suffolk, and they picked your worship up at sea and brought you here. That's all I know about it, as I hope for mercy. It can't do you any good to kill a poor fellow like me. I don't think you are a ghost now, but some ugly—no, I mean handsome fellow, supposed only to be drowned. Do you tell me the truth? As I live, and I hope your worship will let me live, I do. And here's the ring I came to borrow of you, sir, as a proof. Of what? Of— 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 I hardly know what to say to you, sir. If you are not the great enemy to me that I had thought you, you are a mere thief. You came to steal the jewels I had upon my fingers. Is that not the truth? I— I rather think it is, sir. You may save your wretched life, if you like if you promise me that you will keep all that has happened a secret, except so much of it as I shall empower you to reveal, I will spare you. But if after having so promised you break faith with me, and let your tongue wag further than I wish it, you will not live twenty-four hours afterwards, be assured, for I will find you out and twist your head from your shoulders. Anything, sir, I will promise anything. I will swear, if you like. I heed no oaths consideration for your own safety will keep you silent. Rise. He took his knee off the chest of the sexton, and his hand off his throat, and then Will Stevens tremblingly rose to his feet. The idea did cross him for a moment of measuring his strength with the resuscitated man, but when he beheld the tall, bony, gaunt figure before him, he saw that he had not the shadow of a chance in a personal struggle. Moreover, he had a lively remembrance of a most vice-like pressure upon his throat, which seemed to say that the ugly stranger was by no means in an exhausted state. Upon the whole, then, the sexton was glad to have escaped so well. "'You have only to say, sir, what you would have me do,' he said. "'Answer me first. Have you always lived here? Is this your native place?' "'Oh, no, sir, I came from London. But then it's years ago.' "'Very well.' You must say that you remember me in London, as a gentleman of good repute, and you must add that you came to the bone-house here, and found me reviving, and that you took measures to complete my recovery. Yes, sir, and here is your ring. Keep it as a memento of this affair. Many thanks, sir. Will it please you to tell me your name and condition? John Smith, a foreign merchant. And now tell me, minutely, how I was rescued from the ocean, or did the waves themselves give up their dead? The sexton, who was now assured in his own mind that it was no ghost he was speaking to, entered as far as he knew into the story of the finding of the body, and bringing it to the bone-house, but as that information was not great, he volunteered, if Mr. Smith would go with him to his cottage, to get him all the particulars. To this the other consented, and they both left the bone-house together. On the short bit of road the sexton began to think that his companion must be some madman, for ever and anon, when the moon was brightest, he saw him lift up both his arms to it, as if he were worshipping it, and at those times, too, he heard him mutter some words in a language that he did not comprehend. At length the singular being spoke in English. Henceforth, he cried, as if quite forgetful of the presence of another, henceforth, begone remorse, begone despair! The great sea has rejected me, and not again will I seek destruction. I will live, and I will live to be the bane and curse of the beautiful. Sir, said the sexton, here is my house, sir. If you will step in, I will soon dish you up a little something in the way of refreshment. You see, sir, I live alone. 
that is to say, an old woman who keeps my cottage in order, and waits upon me, goes away at night, and comes again in the morning. But as it is not her time yet, I will get you anything you like to eat or to drink. I never eat nor drink. Not eat nor drink? Never, sir? Never. I shall cost you nothing to entertain me. I want some rest, and while I am taking it, do you go and get me such information as you can regarding me. Make no concealment that I am alive, but go at once, and return with what expedition you may, and remember that your fate is in my hands. I will, sir. The sexton was quite terrified enough to do what he was bidden, and perhaps the consciousness that the strange and mysterious man whom he had for a guest might accuse him of the projected robbery of the jewellery he had about his person influenced him more than the rather obscure threat of personal vengeance by the promise screwing his head off. But the matter, take it for all in all, was anything but an agreeable one for Master Will Stevens, and most heartily did he wish he had remained in his bed, and left the stranger to recover, if was to recover, by himself. Will did not attribute that recovery to the moonlight he had himself let in. End of chapter 200